Okay, so the Bible reading today is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, you are, not, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. The one who pl- sorry, I lost my spot. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames." Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your minds? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, as it is written. He catches the wise in their craftiness, and again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether it's Paul, Apollos, or Cyphus, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Hey. There we are. As I get set up, uh, good to remind us that there's a question time, as Liam pointed out earlier. I am happy to tackle any questions you have, regardless of the topic. I can't guarantee to speak with any uh, real thought beyond the passage, but I'll give it a go. Um, I'm definitely the last person you want to ask a medical question, though, just fair warning. 
Uh, but we will have a question time. A few have threatened already. Uh, and so if anything pops up through the passage that you want to dig a bit deeper on, you want to ask a bit more, uh, we'll do that. And you can use the number to do it anonymously. We'll put that back up at the end. Uh, if you're on YouTube, hello, you can comment. Uh, or you can just ask in the room uh, if you're happy to. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll get stuck into the passage. Lord, I want to thank you that we can be here today. I thank you for your word and the way it shapes us. I pray that you'd help me to speak your truth uh, and from that truth we'd grow to be more like Jesus. Uh, and I pray it in his great name. Amen. And now I want to start by talking about a road. That's not the normal place to start, is it? But uh, I do. I want to talk about this road. It's called the Appian Way. Uh, it's built by the Romans. It was built in about 312 BC. Uh, and lots of it today, 2,300 years later, still stands, uh, which I think is quite a testament to the way that the Romans built things. They built things to last. Uh, they were, didn't muck around. They were meticulous. Uh, their roads were, there's quite a bit that went into it. They started kind of levelling the dirt road and they put small stones and mortar on top of that, uh, then gravel on top of that, and, and then finally they fitted it with uh, these rocks you can see in the picture that they cut and fit meticulously to, to get it just right. And, they, and they, it was said that you couldn't get a, a knife in between the gaps so well did they pack them in. Uh, and so, uh, so I think it's incredible uh, that, that a road like that has survived thousands of years. Uh, and just to, to really bring home the point by way of contrast, uh, this is Dave's Road in Kurumbong. Now, I think this is a little bit old. I think they've actually fixed it since this photo was taken. Uh, but it does give us that sense, doesn't it, that some things are built to last, others not so much. Uh, now, with roads, we can manage that. We, we can take a few bumps. That's what suspension's for. Uh, but in other areas, in other building projects, it, it can be much, much more serious. Uh, in other building projects, it, it can be the difference between safety and disaster. Uh, and so recently, I uh, read an article uh, about the collapse of a building in Dhaka, Bangladesh. Uh, the building was owned by a, a criminal guy who was running sweatshops in, in a factory in it. Uh, and he decided he wanted to make a bit more money, and so he added some levels to the top of the building. Uh, now, he didn't do that with, uh, to code. He bribed government officials uh, so that he could kind of slip it under the radar and shoddily build on these extra levels. Uh, and the, the result was catastrophic. Uh, so the building collapsed. It cost over a 1,000 people their lives. Uh, and unlike the roads of Kurumbong, this, this bad workmanship really mattered. This one man's action uh, took a terrible, terrible toll on, on many, many people, a, a real disaster. And in today's passage in Corinthians, Paul confronts us uh, with another type of workmanship that really matters. Uh, in this case, the building in view is the church. And here we see a warning that how we build, it does matter. And not just for ourselves, uh, but all, for all those that are impacted. Uh, because much more than, than lives, eternities are at stake. Uh, and so it's a big deal. Paul confronts the Corinthians with the danger of poor workmanship. And, and in the course of this passage, he shows them how to ensure that the Corinthian church is, is a church that stands the test of time. That it's an Appian way rather than a Dave's road. And, of course, it raises the same question for us. As we wrestle with the Corinthian church and what was going on there, uh, we want to ask, is Lake Mac Church a church that's built to last? 
Uh, I think it's interesting to reflect uh, as we do that, that in general, uh, when we wrestle with this stuff, we tend to do it individually, we personalise, we gravitate to to thinking, how am I doing as an individual? Uh, And we make that our our main consideration. Now, I don't think that's a terrible thing. It is good to self-reflect. It is good to think about how we are personally doing. Um, But the burden of this passage is not on the individual. The burden is on the church, uh, for the collective, the gathering. And so rather than thinking simply of how you're doing yourself, though of course you will, uh, my challenge today is is to ask how are we doing together? How how is each one of us playing our part? Uh, Later in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul will say, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. And so I want to nudge us to think about this passage in the context of us as a church and the role that you play. To think about not just where am I falling short or or where might I be lacking maturity, but where can I play a part in in bringing maturity for the whole? Because as we will see, it's the role of every Christian to play their part in helping the church grow to maturity. Uh, and that's a role I think we should take seriously. Uh, because as, as we've seen in the passage, there's a lot at stake. Uh, how we build has impacts into eternity. Uh, and so uh, this is where we're headed today. Uh, we're going to see that the well-built church first remembers the basics. Uh, we'll next see that, that the well-built church puts leaders in their right place. And then we'll see that the, the well-built church won't tolerate dodgy builders. Uh, And then as we finish, as we always do, we'll think about what does that mean for us? What will we go away and do with this? Uh, So into that first point, uh, we see that the well-built church remembers the basics. Now, uh, this first section comes, uh, not surprisingly, after the last section. Uh, And so as we read the Bible, it's always good to make sure we're doing it in context, that we're seeing what comes around it so we can better understand it. And if you were here last week, you'd remember that last week uh, we saw Paul kind of showing the Corinthians the role of the Holy Spirit. Paul showed them that there's, there's really, when you boil it down, only two types of people in the world, uh, those with the Spirit and those without. And the ones with the Spirit, that's Christians, uh, and we saw that all Christians have the Spirit, uh, and they're enabled by the Holy Spirit who's in them to, to understand God's wisdom to understand the gospel, to make sense of it, uh, to understand that Jesus came and died on a cross, that we might be saved and and to grab hold of it. And then on the other hand, there's those without the Spirit. Uh, And to sum it up, the the passage showed us that those without the Spirit find find it foolishness. Though they might know the answer, they they see it as, as foolishness. They just can't wrap their heads around it because the Spirit hasn't enabled Uh, So having shown us that, uh, look at where Paul goes in this next part in today's passage. Uh, So we'll read just verse 1. It says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. Um, Now Paul is not saying that they don't have the Spirit. Uh, He's made it really clear so far in in the letter that they do. But he tells them that he can't address them as though they have the Spirit because they're still acting in a worldly way. Uh, we've seen that over the past couple of weeks. We've seen that the Corinthians have, a, have this real issue, uh, this kind of in-house rivalry, competing with each other, trying to stand above one another. Uh, there's a bunch of them who kind of think of themselves as being super spiritual, as being at a higher level than the others. 
And so, so that's why so much of what we've seen already has been devoted to showing that there's no super Christians. There's just Christians. We all have the same spirit. It's an even playing field. And can you imagine, as Paul writes this, how that must have felt for the Corinthians, how humbling it must have been for those Corinthians who, who saw themselves as super spiritual, super Christians, uh, who thought they were doing so well to have Paul refer to them as infants. Uh, look at what he goes on to say. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you're not re- re- yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Paul tells them they're not ready for solid food. And they're not ready to be addressed as people who live by the Spirit. Because they're worldly. They're they're carrying on with the world's wisdom, with quarreling and divisions. Um, Now, at first reading, you, you might look at that and think, oh, is Paul actually saying there are different levels of Christians? Uh, they're, they're in their infancy, and so they haven't reached the next level. Um, but I don't think that's what's going on here. Uh, it isn't saying that they need to have their milk, and then uh, Paul will release some secret knowledge of solid food. Uh, there's no extra secret information. We, we saw that last week, that there's no mystery left. Uh, it has been revealed. It's just that they're not living out the basics of the gospel. And because they're not living out the basics of the gospel, then they'll never mature in their Christian behavior. And now I reckon uh, what's going on here is a little bit like weightlifting, uh, which might feel stretched. But uh, somewhere in the last few years, I took up weightlifting. My knees decided they don't much like uh, the way that I exercised. And so I gave up on running. That was the main kind of exercise I used to do. Uh, instead, I took on, on a sport called CrossFit, and in particular, the, the bit that drives me uh, is Olympic-style weightlifting. Uh, and just so you know, I'm not making it up. Look, there's a picture of me. That was a while ago now. Uh, lifting my little heart out. Uh, now, when I started, I, I have progressed some, but when I started, I thought, oh, I'm on the biggest side of people. I'll, I'll come in here and I'll do all right. And I kind of expected to walk in uh, and then to start, start me on the big weights uh, because of my size. Uh, but much to my dismay, instead of the big weights, they handed me a broomstick. Uh, because more important, I've discovered, than strength is getting the technique right. You've got to get the right movement. Uh, you could be the strongest person in the room... Uh, But without the right technique, it's all for nothing. And so for a long time as I progressed, uh, I'd often get a little bit ahead of myself. I'd want to push, and and so I'd get out probably bigger weights than I could handle, and so my technique would start to suffer. And when when that happened, sure enough, there was the coach handing me the broomstick, uh, sending me back to basics to make sure that I've got that right before I went any further. Uh, in fact, even now, a few years down the track, uh, when we, we do a session doing weightlifting, the first place we start is to just lift the bar without any weights on it, to work through that uh, movement, to make sure we've got the basics right, because that's, that's at the core of continuing on. Uh, if we don't have that right, it, it's all for nothing. I think that Paul is getting at the same sort of thing for the Corinthians. I think the milk is the basics of the gospel, the truth of Jesus on the cross. Uh, And that's not something that you learn and then you leave behind and move on to other things. It's something that forms the core of everything you do as a Christian. 
If you leave the truth behind, then you may as well not bother progressing. Without the gospel, it's all for nothing. And that's the picture of the Corinthians. They've left the core truth of the gospel behind. And so as they try to grow to maturity, it's a mess. They need to get the broomstick out. They need to go back to basics. Uh, We see they need to focus on the gospel and let that shape everything they do. Uh, And then Paul says they'll grow to maturity, grow to solid food. Uh, Remember that this isn't an individual pursuit. This is something that we're called to do together. Uh, It's not enough for you to do this just for yourself. Uh, We're encouraged that the Bible calls us to bring our brothers and sisters along with us. A major part of our role as church members is to keep pointing one another to the basics of the gospel, to make sure that the gospel is at the heart of everything that we do. And so it's worth considering, how do you do that? How do we do that? When I joined the gym that I go to, I progressed much more quickly because not just the coach, but a bunch of the guys there who'd been around for a while saw that I was new and came alongside me. They gave me tips. They helped me along. Now, how much more should we be doing that as God's family? How much more should we we be bringing the new guy along with us, helping helping each other to hold on to those core truths? That's the the first of our points, to remember the basics. Uh, And the second we'll see is that we need to put leaders in their right place. So the key example of the Corinthians quarrelling is that they divided over the different leaders that have come and taught them over the years. We, we say that really clearly in verse 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, aren't, are you not mere human beings? Um, now, in case you misread that, uh, that's it, not saying that Paul and Apollos are mere humans. That's the kind of where we naturally think, because uh, it, it makes sense, right, that we wouldn't lift them up because they're just human beings. Uh, but rather it's saying uh, that when they do lift them up, the Corinthians are being mere human beings. Uh, and it sounds a bit strange, I think, uh, because obviously they're human beings, aren't we all? Uh, but Paul's using that term in another way. Uh, it's another way of saying worldly. Mere flesh rather than spiritual. Remember, we've had that dichotomy, the spiritual and the unspiritual. Once again, he's saying rather than living in step with the spirit, they're living as though they're worldly, mere human beings. Uh, In this case, it's because of the way they're treating their leaders. Uh, As we've seen, the Corinthians are assigning status based on on which leader they follow. Uh, So it's a bit like one of them's kind of saying, well, I'm an Apollos guy, he's such a great speaker, and because I'm an Apollos guy and you're a poor guy, I'm I'm up here and you're down here. Uh, They they somehow think that because of uh, the teacher that they most align with, they're they're a higher-level Christian. And so Paul wants to dispel the silliness of, of what's going on, and so he explains to them the real role of these teachers. And we see it from verse 5. He says, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their labour. 
Uh, So Paul wants to make it clear that these are teachers, not heroes to be made much of. Though their job is important, it's just a job, uh, as they're merely servants. He shows us that with a gardening analogy. Uh, He likens the Corinthian church to a plant, uh, which I like. It's a good church plant, good illustration. Uh, And in this church plant, Paul says he planted the seed, Apollos then watered it, but the thing that really matters is who made it grow, and, and of course that who is God. Planting and watering are, of course, an important part of the process. He's not saying they're not. Uh, he, he does say that each will be a, a rewarded according to their own labour, and, and we'll think a little bit about that later. But the point here is that they're just servants pointing to Jesus, like, like everyone should. Later on in the letter, Paul will flesh out... Uh, this idea he'll show that the church is made up of servants uh, each with different gifts uh, and he'll call us not to get hung up on the gift but rather just to simply play our part Uh, and so listen to what he says this comes from 1 Corinthians 12 he says there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them there are different kinds of service but the same Lord there are different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work and remember, the Corinthians are a group of people looking to stand out, to compete with one, other, with one another. Uh, and so how humbling is it uh, that regardless of what gift you have, Paul's saying it's not something you've earned, it's not something you did on your own, the gift is simply something that God has given you. And ultimately, as you use that gift, it's God at work. And so he gets the credit. That's why Paul can say that he and Apollos are nothing, Not to say they're not an important part, but God at work is what matters. And and so it's God who should get the attention. These divisions are silly. They shouldn't be saying, I'm with Paul, I'm with Apollos. They should be saying, I'm with God. We're all with God. Uh, And so like in point one, really this is a case of getting back to basics, of viewing our leaders through the lens of the gospel, of remembering where our salvation comes from, and, and so treating our leaders accordingly. Which brings us to our next point, that the well-built church won't tolerate dodgy builders. See, if Paul left it at that gardening analogy, you'd be tempted to think that, that the leaders and the teachers are not important at all. But that's not quite true. Paul shows us that, uh, that making sure that we have leaders and teachers who are on about the right thing really matters. Here Paul switches from a gardening analogy to a building one. Uh, So we see it in verse 9. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, and so the illustration is not dissimilar to the gardening one to, from the plant. Uh, now he likens them, instead of a plant, to a building. Paul laid the foundation. Apollos did some of the building. Uh, and now Paul leaves the option open for others to have done some more building. Uh, and he starts by making sure we understand that the foundation matters. In fact, that there's only one that's acceptable. And that one acceptable foundation, of course, is Jesus. Uh, That's what we've already seen, that that we keep coming back to the gospel. Uh, And so it's imperative to get the basics right. But then Paul goes on to talk about building on that foundation. Uh, And so let's read on. 
If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet uh, will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Um, now, it's a pretty big metaphor. We had lots of questions in my growth group. Uh, and so to figure it out, I reckon there's a few questions we've got to answer to, to really get our heads around it. Uh, and it's these three. Uh, what is the building? Who are the builders? Uh, and what are these different building materials? Um, so let's quickly work through each one of those. Uh, first, the building. Uh, and we've seen Paul is describing the Corinthian church. Uh, first, they were a plant. Now they're a building. Uh, and if we have any doubts about his specific meaning, we can flip down to verse 16 where we read, Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Uh, and so it's really clear that the building he's describing is God's temple. Uh, and he's capturing the image of the temple from the Old Testament, uh, which was where God dwelt. But now we see in the New Testament times, God dwells by his spirit in people. Uh, and so the Old Testament image of the temple is now realized in the people of the church. And so in this section, Paul is talking about the quality of how the church is built up. And so then who are the builders? Uh, the builders are, are anyone who plays the role of teacher or leader. Uh, and so that's clear. We, we've seen Paul and Apollos and Cephas uh, as in view as part, some of those builders. Um, we know that they were three good builders. Uh, uh, but Paul is also introducing the possibility of other builders uh, and the possibility of some of those builders not being so great. Uh, and so he says, if anyone builds... Uh, if anyone takes on that role of building. Um, and like I said, for the most part, that's going to be teachers and leaders. Um, but I do want to just point since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to t excel in those gifts, uh, in those that build up the church. Uh, we'll have a look. Here's another uh, more, uh, even more explicit version in, in Ephesians 4. He says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. Uh, and so this section of the passage, uh, though it is particularly directed at, at leaders and teachers, uh, it should also inform us, as, as we take on that role that all Christians are called to, to play a part in building the church. Uh, it should inform us in the way that we do that. Uh, and so, uh, then, what are the building materials that Paul lists? Uh, well, there are a list, uh, it's a warning that how the building is built matters. So we see the different materials there, uh, gold, silver, costly stones, uh, wood, straw, hay. Uh, and it's a funny list, isn't it? It kind of sounds like it could be uh, from the three little pigs, uh, I'm sure, most of you know that story. Uh, the three little pigs each build their own houses and the big bad wolf comes and he huffs and he puffs uh, and the straw house doesn't survive, it gets blown down. The, the house of sticks doesn't survive, it gets blown down. But the brick house, ah, it's well built. It stands, for, stands firm. Now Paul's list of materials isn't quite the same uh, and rather than a test of huffing and puffing, the test here is fire. But... 
like the fable, some materials stand and some don't. And so we see the gold, the silver, the costly stones, they're the materials that withstand the fire. And of course, the stick, the straw, the hay, they don't. And it's nice to note that the burn-proof materials are all materials that would have been used in the Old Testament to build the temple, which makes sense, right? Because that's the image that Paul is talking about. But what do they represent? Well, Paul doesn't, doesn't align them in with, with anything in particular. Uh, he doesn't say this represents this thing or, or he doesn't say uh, this type of teaching stands and this type of teaching falls. Uh, I think it's really as simple as seeing what, what Paul's been showing us all the way along. Uh, this whole section has been a contrast between God's wisdom and the world's. And the Corinthians, for the most part, have been suckered into the world's wisdom instead of God's. It's clear that the world's wisdom will not last. So from last week's passage, chapter 6, verse 2. Is that working? This thing's cut out on me. No, sorry. There we go. Sorry, I just had a little bit of a panic attack. Uh, luckily, I didn't. Um, so this is from last week's passage, chapter six, verse. Uh, sorry, chapter two, verse six. Uh, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. See, Paul's been showing us that the world's wisdom, the wisdom of this age, well, it's going to come to nothing. It's made of hay or straw. It will simply be burnt up. So though the Corinthians have the right foundation. They've wasted their years in infancy, not maturing because they've been built up. Their building uh, has used materials from the world's wisdom, the wood, the straw, the hay. And so their time and efforts have been wasted. Um, And and it is good to note as we wrestle with that, uh, because it's a dire picture, that this isn't a question of whether they're Christians or not. They have a foundation in Jesus. Notice how the builder who uses bad materials ends up. Uh, We read, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. The teacher is saved. They had a real faith in Jesus. They understood grace. But they've spent their years focusing on the world's wisdom. That's the picture of these unhealthy teachers and leaders at Corinth. They spent their time and energy focusing on the world's wisdom. Uh, in this quarrelling and division, on, on standing out and above others. They've spoke, focused on great speech rather than great content. And they've led the people of the church along with them. That's, that's the worst part of it. And it's a waste. Um, now note as well uh, that though this is frivolous, it's wasteful, they scrape into heaven, there is a line where it's too much. And, and we see that in verse 17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Uh, And so there is a type of false teacher uh, with a teaching that pulls people away from the foundation of grace alone in Jesus. Uh, And for that person, there is no escaping through the flames. For that person uh, is destruction. Uh, And part of this warning is, is... the imperative to stay on the right foundation, to stay in Jesus. 
Um, but as we hear that, I, I think there's a temptation to think that uh, so long as I don't slip off, so long as I don't slip so far as to lose Jesus as my foundation, then I can get off track a little bit, that I can give in to worldliness and I'll still scrape my way into heaven so all will be well. And I reckon if, if you, that's where your mind's heading, then you've missed something that's really key. It's not that a well-built, a life built on the gospel is a necessary evil. It's not something that we just have to do, even though the world is more appealing. It is the better way. It's where we want to be. This isn't just a warning. This is where the hope is, in a great building. A friend of mine told me once about, well, told me recently about his grandmother, who, who at the age of 80 years old, on her deathbed, became a Christian. And I think in some ways, uh, she was like these Corinthian leaders, uh, the, these teachers who Paul describes here. She was saved, but, uh, but though, as though escaping through the flames. But for her, ha- having become a Christian, knowing that she snuck into heaven at the last minute, She wasn't pumped at the close call. She wasn't proud that she'd managed to live the life she wanted and still get to heaven. These were some of her last words. She said, I've wasted my life. Isn't that a tragedy? She recognised at age 80 that she'd spent 80 years on a life of straw. When we come face to face with Jesus and we look at our lives, we, we won't be thinking, I wish I'd clocked a few more hours at the office. We won't be thinking, I wish I'd just done that extra holiday. We, we won't be thinking, I wish I'd saved a little bit more and got that bigger house by the water. When we get to Jesus, we'll realise what's what. We'll say, oh, I wish I'd told more people about Jesus. I, w- I wish I'd spent more time helping people grow in the gospel. See, at that point, we'll recognise what really matters. But, but I think we know that now, don't we? We know what's really important. That's what Paul is getting at here. He, he's showing us what an absolute tragedy it would be to have that foundation in Jesus and then spend our lives on things other than him. My mate's grandmother, she didn't know what she was missing out on, but we do. We do know what's most important. And for these Corinthian leaders, it's actually much more personal. That's the individual version as we reflect on our own lives. But remember, this isn't about individuals. This is not just how you spent your life but on how you've helped build others. We need builders who leave behind gold, silver and precious stones. We want to leave behind a long list of people who've heard about Jesus because we've been bold enough to speak the gospel. We want to leave behind brothers and sisters who've grown to maturity because we've encouraged them in the word. That's the kind of legacy we need to leave, both as individuals but but as a church. And we need to ask ourselves, is that where our energy is going? 
Uh, I think that helps us as we reflect on that to understand the reward the passage talks about. Uh, it, does, it came up a couple of times there. We, we've seen it. We're not told precisely what the reward is. Uh, we, it's clear that it's, it's not something that takes away from grace. Uh, Paul makes that clear and he reminds us that the work he's done has been by the grace of God. Uh, and so we're left kind of wondering, what is this reward? Uh, now, it doesn't, we're never told clearly, uh, but, but I suspect that it's the knowledge of building something that will last. The, the satisfaction of a job well done. It's God saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, in my growth group, he, he's not in the room, so I can uh, talk about him. Is Dave Dennis, uh, and he is a phenomenal builder. He's done some work at our house, and I just think, how can you get things just so perfect? And I, I picture him at the end of a, a job well done, standing back and just appreciating uh, that everything has just worked so neatly. I certainly, when I look at the jobs he's done at my house, I'd stand back and think, wow, what, what an incredible artist. I want to say artist instead of builder. I think that's the picture, arriving in heaven, seeing the people that, that you've encouraged, seeing the people that you've shared Jesus with, and here they are, standing with you. Well done, good and faithful servant. The builder who built with straw misses that, haven't they? They've spent their life in folly. And like my friend's grandma, all they can say is, I've wasted my life. So what do we do with all this? How do we finish up and think about for us? Well, Paul wraps up this passage by reminding us of the big idea that he's been talking right through. We see it from verse 18. He says, Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools, so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. The world's wisdom says God's way is foolishness. But thanks to the Spirit, we know better. And so the invitation is there to jump on board God's wisdom, to be shaped by it. For the Corinthians, and they've been ignoring it, but when they jump on board, when they listen to God's wisdom, their silly quarrels and divisions will end. Uh, they've been worried about making sure they follow the right leader so they can stand above their brothers and sisters. Uh, but Paul reminds them that all things are there. They don't need to compete with each other. Listen to the last few verses uh, from 21. So then... No more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Uh, now, I'm sure uh, most of you caught wind of this, especially from the loud people in our congregation. Uh, last week, South Africa became the Rugby World Cup champions. Uh, and that made uh, a whole bunch of people uh, in our church very happy. We do have uh, a disturbing number of South Africans amongst us. Um, but it made them very happy. Uh, and I actually, I didn't get to go watch it with them, but I know a bunch of them gathered together on the morning. It was like 6 a.m. Uh, and I saw some photos and, and there was a, a lot of cheer in the room, I gather. Uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of fist pumping, maybe some hugs. 
But can you imagine them, them at that moment, instead of celebrating the victory, squabbling, uh, arguing over which player did better, oh, I like the winger better, I like the prop better? It's ridiculous, isn't it? No, no, they're united in celebration. Uh, I think that this section that Paul finishes with, that, that's kind of the, the vibe of it. Uh, he's saying Paul, Apollos and Cephas, they're just players on God's team. Why are we arguing about them? That's not who you're celebrating. You're celebrating God. That's where the victory is. Everything and everybody is a gift from Christ. Paul, Apollos, life and death, present and future, all are in God's hands. And so are you. So be content. God has given you everything you need. Don't get distracted by the world and its false wisdom. Rest in God. He's got everything for you. And I think we've got the right picture of how to do that tonight. So let me quickly recap our, our three big points. The first one was, was go back to basics. Remember the basics. Pick up your broomstick. Never let go of the gospel. It drives everything we do as a Christian. It's the glue that holds us together. Never leave it behind. And don't let your sisters and your brothers leave it behind and forget it either. We're in this together. Let's keep holding on to the gospel. Let's keep that at the heart of everything we do. Uh, and next, we, we saw to put leaders in their right place. Re remember who gives the growth. Don't get suckered into this idea of making different roles more important. Whether you're welcoming, teaching kids, preaching out the front, playing guitar, whatever the role, it's the role God has gifted you with. It's not you, it's him. Its goal is to point people to Jesus, so let it. Don't get distracted. Let it point us to Jesus. And the third one was beware dodgy builders. Now, we want to keep that in mind as we do that job that we've all been called to, as we seek to build one another up. Let's remember that as we interact with one another. There's all these little moments that I, I think sometimes we forget are building moments. As, as we chat at, at growth group or after church, uh, as we give advice, we want to realize that, that as we do that, that's building. Uh, and so build well. I, I reckon the big thing is slow down. If you're giving someone advice, if you're giving someone an answer, work through, is this something that's, that's got its foundation in Jesus? Is this wisdom that, that I've got grounded in the sword of the Spirit, the, the, the Bible? Let's take the call to build seriously. But it's also something to keep in mind as we think about who the leaders and, we teach, and teachers we listen to are. What am I feeding myself with? The test isn't, is this a compelling speaker? Uh, it's not, does this person make me feel good? The question we need to ask is whether it's from the Bible, whether it's grounded in the gospel. I want, I want to make sure that you guys are people who apply that to Liam and I. If we're saying something that's not from the Bible, give us a kick in the bum. That's where our wisdom comes from. Don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. And, and as we live in this world that, that we're inundated with, with places to access sermons and messages and advice, as we listen to YouTube and podcasts, ask those questions. Is, is this 
got Jesus at its foundation? Is this coming from the sword of the Spirit? Is it pushing me to the Bible? As we recommend things, as you pass on a sermon you've heard, is it because it, is it sounded nice, it was fun, it was compelling? Or is it because it's grounded in spiritual truth? And in all of it, know that, that we have everything we need in Jesus. And so we keep our eyes on him. Let's pray. Lord, I want to I th- I thank you for the gospel that we're grounded in. Uh, we thank you for what Jesus has done. Uh, that he, by his death on the cross, brought us from death into life. Lord, help us to, to hold on to that, to never let go of it. Uh, to keep coming back to it and let it shape everything we do. And Lord, as we do that, I pray that we'd have a heart uh, to build both ourselves and others, uh, not with the world's wisdom, not with wood or straw or hay, uh, but let us build with silver, with gold, with precious stones. Help us to be brought up in your wisdom to maturity. Help us to do that together. And we pray it in Jesus' great name. Amen. Uh, Now we do have just a couple of minutes for questions. Liam's got the mic and he's on the the move. Uh, YouTube's gone commenty if you want to, and I'll get my phone out so I don't miss anything. No questions as yet. Come on, don't let him off the hook. That's all right. We can wait till Liam's back out the front. You can hit him with whatever you want. Medical oh, questions. I'm happy for medical. Um, so, when you were talking about the the gospel being the like milk, what then would the solid food look like, as far as our teaching and things go after the? Gospel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, so I think it's it's that the gospel is still in view. So it's 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 the lived out gospel. Uh, so uh, what does that mean? Growing to maturity. Uh, hey, uh, do you, re- uh, you? I just remember, I've been a Christian for a while now, but when I became a Christian, I kind of, there were really simple things that I was getting challenged with, you know, like I, oh, okay, I'm not allowed to swear anymore, and you, you know, like, yeah, uh, but not steal stuff. But as I've matured, uh, as I've kept holding on to the gospel, it's, it's actually shaped the finer details of my life. Uh, it's given me these little things that, that 15 years ago I'd, I didn't even realise they were sins, but I, I'm understanding more and more uh, of what it means to follow God. I, I think that's the trajectory. I think that's the solid food that we, uh, that we mature, but it's all still grounded in the gospel. So it's not a level up. It's, it's just solid food is maturity, is refining what it means to live in light of the gospel. All right. So, let's uh, sing, guys. Come on.